we're here for another episode of Kansas Country Roads. Kind of a last minute deal, but when you get a text message from this guy saying, hey, come do an interview, you kind of have to. So my guest tonight is Kevin Galloway, former lead singer of Uncle Lucius, now out on his own, doing his own thing. How we doing? Doing well, brother. Good. Good to see you. Yeah, absolutely. Happy that you're finally here. I saw your guys' uh, last show here. That cool. was the one and only time I ever got to see you guys live. Yeah, I'm serious. Like all the years of being a fan, every time you guys were here, I was never able to go. But that night, I was like, I cannot miss the last show. And shit, I stood there blown away the entire time. Like couldn't move. It was one of the best shows, no shit, that I have ever seen. Man, thank you. Yeah. Uh, you you caught you caught a good little run there. Yeah, no, that's what I heard because um, <laughs> actually I know Raquel Pena pretty yeah. good, yeah. and she texted me and said, "Shit, you're at that show." She goes, "I was just with them last night and had to fly out for a conference." I was mm-hmm. like, "No," because like every time she winds up here, I'm either I can't go or she just leaves whatever band she's with mm-hmm. for a conference or whatever. So. I missed her that night, but yeah, no, that was by far one of the most incredible shows, so I'm glad, yeah, I'm glad I definitely got to see that, because that was, that was one I'll never forget, so, but the, uh, the new stuff you're doing is definitely different, um, different sound, but it's, it's still badass, so, thank you. um, want to talk a little bit about you know what your inspiration for the new you know the new album and all that of course man uh so the album is called the change and of course that works wonderfully with uh the story i guess that you have to tell but uh i wanted to call it face on my mind which is a song on the album it's number two on the album but the change works better and you know it works with the story you got to tell but the real story of it is uh, I have a family now <laughs> I'm married three and a half years with a two and a half year old son and a five and a half month old daughter right and I need to stay closer to home yeah but I want to remain a musician follow that thing that led me into this whole crazy deal anyway right uh, so there's an overall theme, I guess, when you look back on this album of, it's, it's, I always say it's a love letter to my family. Right. And you definitely kind of get that feel, like, with a lot of it, because it's, you know, if you're like me and listen to a lot of the old stuff, it was kind of trippy, like, you know, you could do some things with that, listening to that music, and, oh, yeah. you know, so, things, like, I like that, <laughs> so, it's wide, right, open. yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> whatever you feel like doing while listening to that kind of music, but, like, this new album is just, like, I just sat one day and just listened to it, and, I mean, it was kind of peaceful, and, you know, kind of makes you think about a bigger, I bigger picture, and, you know, make you feel some things maybe you don't usually feel. That's so. cool to hear. Uh, I guess it was kind of the intent behind it was just to uh, kind of get back to my roots. I grew up listening to old country and soul. 
got into blues a little bit later, but like seventies and oh yeah, you know, 60s, 70s, eighties music and uh, but the theme of the the whole thing is of course moving on, uh, changing things up because of family, right? Like doing that thing, so the the sound of it uh, sonically. It's a country soul album. It it really is, yeah. Uh, and the 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 theme is, you know, a promise to to the loved ones at home. Right, and that's cool because a lot of guys, you know, you guys were, I mean, pretty popular, pretty big band. So I mean, it takes a lot for somebody to make that decision. Like, you know, shit's getting rolling. Should we step off the road? You know, do something different. Make that change. So, I mean, I know a lot of people commend you for, you know, taking that, that leap. So, and I mean, it looks like it's doing pretty well. I mean, it's been pretty well received from what I've seen. And, um, you know, I think, I think so. It's, uh, I had to naturally do where what my heart told me to do. Right, right. So I thought about it for a couple of years before I... <laughs> I stepped down from Uncle Lucius because the ball was rolling. But for the ball to roll, we had to be gone all the time. Yeah. And for 12 and a half years of that lifestyle, I'm, I'm 41 now. Uh, it wears. Oh, yeah. But there are a hundred other reasons. All these things. It's not one thing. Right. But it's like the icing on the cake is the, the newborn children. And it's like, okay, it's time. Yeah. And then... When I finally did have the courage to to say yes, I'm moving on. Uh, you know, it was a seven month advance notice. We did seven months of shows and yep. let people know, and it was hard to do because it affects everybody else in the band. Mm -hmm. Because it just is no more as it was. Right. It was hard, but. I'm thankful for the decision. That I'm glad that I finally did it, because uh, it's time for the next chapter. Right. Also, That's the deal, man. also with a band, I mean, decisions you make usually there's other opinions, other you know, hey, what do you think should we do? Oh no, I don't want to do it. And, you know, there's one of the 100 reasons. Right. So whereas now it's solely up to you, whatever you want. So it's up to me to to. Fail miserably, <laughs> right. or do okay, right. and get by or do great. It's fine, but it's it's on me. It's fine. Right. It's not a. Uh, we were a full democracy. Yeah. Uh, with Uncle Lucius, and it was. There are the drawbacks to yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. Know, uh, no, that's a. Uh, a lot to handle. Yeah, I I could imagine. I mean, I I was on the road a couple of years with a band. I did monitor guitar tech I was their you know side stage guy so I didn't really get a say on a lot of things but I got to see you know a lot of the inner workings and you know thankfully we were all pretty tight nobody ever you know had any issues together but you know we were all also older most of us were married so We'd hit these college towns, and lead singer would do a Twitter deal, like, hey, come hang out on the bus with us. 
while the rest of us ordered Pizza Hut and sat in the back of the bus watching Hell's Kitchen on TV. Yeah. Like, you know, we're too old for this. The yeah, kids not... are like, come do a shot. <laughs> we're like, no, nah, I'm just going to eat some pizza and watch Chef Ramsay. And yeah. So as you get older, it gets, you know, it gets difficult to keep up kind of a certain lifestyle. Sure. Um, but. Man, I, I've, yeah, I've done that. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm fine with it. I've had my feel. Right. Yeah. Uh, got some great stories and I've learned a lot about myself. Yeah. But time to move on. <laughs> um, so the album, the first single, um, was, uh, don't it, you know, don't it feel good, make you smile, um, which blew me away the first time I heard it. It definitely was not what I expected, and shit, the first time I heard it, I think I hit repeat probably eight times, and just over and over and over and over, because it was that good. Then when the whole album came out, and there was some, you know, a lot of it was, all right, I see what you're doing, and then come to the cover of, um, oh, God. Um, we did Hands on the Wheel and You Are So Beautiful. That's it. You Are So Beautiful. That's right, yeah. It, that one came on, and I'm not too weak to admit that it made me tear up a little bit because right. it was it was probably the best even I thought I think it was even better than any of the original no no cuts of that. no, no I, uh, <laughs> it was it was pretty good it was up there I'm thankful but I think you're going too far <laughs> <laughs> I mean I was I've heard a lot of cuts of that and it's definitely in my opinion one of the top four thank you I mean thank you. I think Joe Cocker did the ultimate version for right sure. uh but you know that song so there's a theme behind the album it's uh there's nine songs on the album. I went in to make an, an EP, a five-song oh, yeah. EP, just to have something to continue this career. Right. I wanted to have something to promote myself as a, an right. acoustic artist, really. Yeah. Uh, and then we did this. I did. I got Hal Vorpal, who was the first bass player for Uncle Lucius. He wrote that song, Ain't It the Same? Yeah. The one you like. He also wrote Don't It Feel Good to Smile, by the okay. way. Okay. I'll go more into that. But... He's one of my best friends, and I've known him forever, and I trust his taste and his ear sonically. He's always wanted to do it, and so I dared him, and he came along. And he said, I'll, I'll do it if I co-produce with James Stevens, who owns the studio. So he engineered and co-produced with Hal. We'd work with James on the Uncle Lucius album, uh, Pick Your Head Up. Okay. That's recorded at that same studio yeah. in Austin. All analog. This big yeah, it's, it's that's definitely a good sounding album. Yeah. I love analog. Tape. Yeah, it, it's hard to beat. It is hard to beat that. I gave these guys acoustic demos. I brought in two players. I brought John Grossman on keys from Uncle Lucius. Yep. Only piano player I know really. Right. And this guy named Doug Strahan from Austin. Hell of a picker. Uh, anyway. The co-producers brought in Willie Nelson's bass player, Kevin Smith. Okay. And George Duran on drums. And a guy named Kim DeChamp. On yeah, I know, Ke- I know Kim. So, funny story about that is, I saw Kim when he was with Corey Morrow. Yeah. Way back in the yeah. day. And they played at um, a bar that's no longer around, the Beaumont Club, down okay. in Westport. 
I saw him one night. I was just blown Dude, away by guy. him. Yeah. I ended up talking to him afterwards, and he's like, yeah, we're in Manhattan tomorrow night. He's like, here's my business card. Here's my number. He goes, if you're coming, let me know. I'll put you on the list. I was like, sweet. So then I didn't end up going, but then I never really heard much else about him until I see him in a Midland video. Right. I was like, no way. Yeah, he played all that. Yeah. So He's been on a lot of stuff. Yeah. He's phenomenal. He's he's by far one of the best pedal players oh, yeah. I've seen. So Yeah. He can just get him where he fits in, too. Like, you know, he played a few songs on the album, but then we did the album, like a, a sneak release before it came out, the whole album from beginning to end in Austin. And he said, I've been listening to the rest. I can I can play it. Oh, he yeah. played the whole thing just like perfect. Right. <laughs> it should have been there on the whole thing. Right. Kind of deal. Just from oh, ear. Man. Yeah, no, that guy's so, awesome. They're good. All these guys heard these songs, acoustic demos, and came into the studio, never had played together as a band. Right. And just were that good that yeah. something happened. Right. It was, it was there and we went with it. Just let it record. And you do it on the, the take, you know. That's the, yeah. the goal is to do it all on the take. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't play a single instrument. I'm an okay acoustic player, but there's not an acoustic guitar on this album. Yeah. But it's still a country album. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I sang. I used that instrument, but I sang along with them. And sometimes it would slow down from where we're at and I had to sing it differently but then we're like oh we got the feel let's go with it right so we had the five and we're like this is good we need to make right. this an album let's just keep going yeah. so uh, a few weeks later came in and did four more wow you know made it a whole album did those covers because they're part of the story for me right uh, Hands on the Wheel is on Red Headed Stranger yeah my favorite Willie Nelson album my favorite album of all time. Right. My favorite song on that album that feels like home. And then You Are So Beautiful. I mentioned earlier I have these two children now. My newborn son, uh, born in 2016. I'm holding him for the first time in the hospital. And the first thing that comes to my mind and heart is that song and I start right. singing it to him. <laughs> and so, same thing with my daughter. I sang that one to her so simple and straight to the point right um, you know who wrote that tune <sighs> no Billy Preston you know who okay yeah. yeah just and him Bruce Fisher uh, some people say one of the Beach Boys also helped write it right but, uh, those two guys get the credit uh, but it had to be on there just because it's part of that story uh, but yeah man all these guys played something that was fantastic, and we did it, and we made it an album, and uh, I'm really proud of it. Right. I mean, so it's just like, like, you probably can't ask for much more than that kind of magic when you're doing an album for all these guys to hear something acoustic, and then just be like, oh, I'm so badass, here you go, and all of them act like, come out sounding like they've been playing together for 20 years. Well, it's just that like, they're that good, and they're listening to each other, and they talk about it a little bit, and then just go, and man, it was great. It was great to just... I was there with it. Right. I mean, but I was also sitting back in an awe. Yeah. Didn't have to do uh, much. Just yeah. let it happen. Um, yeah. Get it right. Right. Sing it right, man. Come on. Don't mess this up. <laughs> <laughs> Step up. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, it does. It's, like I said, it's definitely a different sound, you know, something I'm, like, I've got a whole playlist in my iTunes of uncle lucius and then your solo album all together so it just goes on shuffle right and on. it's definitely like 
hits different, you know. You got your trippy, you know, out of this world, sure. and then something love, you know, all by itself. And but it's a, I think it's a good mix. And plus, your voice is very unique. There's not anybody that really sounds like you, so it's easy to pick you out. And that's why I, we had initially talked, my buddy Jesse, that I was. I was like, hey, he might be good for an opener because he's got a voice real similar to yours. Like, he's one of those that um, is kind of raspy. And his band was called the Gypsy Sparrows. They got real huge around here. Okay. And um, they were just not so much country, but not like... They were a folky, like, bluegrassy country roots kind of thing. And, like... Their percussion was a cajon. And the yeah. guy played the cajon, also play. he also did uh, harps. He'd play that. Then they had acoustic player. Jesse played acoustic, and then they had a stand-up bass. And, I mean, shit, that was it. Like, just a little four-piece. Then, towards the end, they added a girl from here in town on fiddle. And, I mean, that was just, that killed it. That was, nice. added it in, but they, uh... They were they were solid. They played here one time, and Roger Ray came up and played pedal mm. for them, and because they were opening for Boland, and he came or I know they were opening for Jason Edie, and Roger was on a run with Edie playing pedal for him, and mm-hmm. so it was just those two together. And I got to see those shows, and I mean, there's very few shows like Jason Edie and Roger Ray together. Like, they didn't know they were doing that. I want to see yeah. that. Yeah, no, it was it was definitely sweet. So I got to see Roger uh, at Medicine Stone. Uh, we were set up next to the Red Dirt Relief Girls, and he was manning the tent. And so it was cool, like, rubbing elbows with Roger Ray. And then the next day he goes up and plays with the Red Dirt Rangers okay. with John Fulbright and Randy Crouch and, you know, John Cooper. I was just, like, blown away by this cast of guys on the stage but uh, and then he played with Bowen that night and it was like this is how it should be oh, yeah. like I mean but yeah um, and we mentioned earlier that um, <laughs> you didn't know but appeared on Yellowstone mm-hmm. you know they had Keep the Wolves Away so and you didn't have any clue that they were putting that in there I didn't uh that album was made with a record label in 2012, well, it was released in 2012, with a record label out of Nashville, and uh, the deal we signed was half of the rights right. for a few more years. Right. It ends in 22, but, uh, When so, that happens, does everything resort back to you, or as far as all the rights, or... Yeah, yeah, to us, I mean, yeah. whoever wrote whatever song, right, you know, right. but yeah, I wrote that tune, uh... Yeah, they they got permission from the label, and I didn't even know about the movie or the show. Yeah, I'll call it a movie. Uh, I don't have cable. We talked about that. Yeah. A couple of days later on Facebook, my wife said, "You know, your song was on the show, and apparently it's pretty big." And yeah, they played it for three minutes. Yeah. I'm like it was the whole song. Yeah. Yeah. Small little edits, but three right. minutes, and that's, that's the longest a song's ever been played of ours on anything. Right. And uh, I said, well, let me, let me look into this and <laughs> contacted my lawyer. They contacted him. And it was real. So, yeah. you know, that's cool. Right. That's way cool. And I, I mean, watched that little scene 
and it's an intense one, it is. you know. So, yeah, I dig it. Thank yeah, you. I mean, it. I got more if y'all want to play some more. Just letting you know. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. It, uh, it was crazy that that song, because just the message in that song and then that scene of what was going on, mm-hmm. like, don't go together, but they did. It like, does, man. That's. It made me think, I've had this conversation with many people about just songs when they get out there. Mm-hmm. It's open to interpretation. Right. And it can be a little bit different for everyone, and that's okay. And they made that work there. Yeah. I mean, they're murdering a guy. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's And there's but. nothing about murdering anybody in that song, but just the, it's an eerie sounding the song. The feel and the, yeah. 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 So, which, I mean, I think to, I'm probably along with everybody else to this day, that's definitely one of my favorite songs that you've probably ever wrote. And, you know, just the story behind it is kind of eats at your heart a little bit. Like, um, I don't, and I don't think I've ever seen anything about the whole story aside from when you were on Texas music scene mm-hmm. and talked about it. Um, but I mean, you want to talk, right? You want to talk a little bit about that? Because sure, I mean, that's uh, probably your guys' biggest. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, True story. I was born in Freeport, Texas, south of Houston, on the coast. All chemical plants, refineries, everything. My dad worked my whole life in that scene, and uh, was part of a, a disaster response team eventually cleaning up chemical spills or whatever west of the Mississippi, like all over. And in Galveston, right, on the ship, in the port, these tanks were uh, leaking this toxic, toxic uh, liquid chemical. Which I'm sure probably happens more than gets out. Oh, yeah. The so. But this was so bad that they, like, if it, right. that got loose and exploded, yeah. they were going to evacuate Galveston. Oh, and like that's, that, yeah. that specific chemical... Right. Has done some real uh, damage in the past. It's the same chemical in a different form that, uh, that caused a huge disaster in Bhopal, India, one of the worst in the history of the world. Yeah. So the same stuff. So yeah, uh, full hazmat suits on top of a a tank that's leaking, and they're checking these valves. Four gentlemen, uh, two on each side, and it explodes, and then spilling chemicals on everyone. Chemical burns. My father only lived because he's in Galveston and the burn unit there is maybe the best in the world. Right. One of the best in the world. Yeah, I would they imagine knew, it would have to be. They knew how to treat it right away. Yeah. He shouldn't have lived, but he did. Uh, but essentially, it's a blue-collar story. It's the easiest one to write because it's from a real right. place, but it's also, uh, I don't want to say hard, but uh wanted to put it in the right way right. tell my story but also uh, and I think this has happened and the reason why it's become so big is that it relate people can relate to it yeah because they interpret it their own way they can it reminds me of my dad it reminds me of me I've had so many had the opportunity to have these conversations with people who say I need to tell you that that touched me because it reminds me of this this important thing in my life and uh yeah man it's uh yeah, no, and I I think there's parts of that where, like, probably people these days right now with a lot of the military and stuff can kind of relate 
to the same thing, like, you know, fathers coming back who are, you know, been injured and things like that, so now teenage sons or younger, you know, early 20s feel like now it's my time to, you know, I gotta step up and take care. And I mean, that's that story that, uh, like, the Keep the Wolves is a story of what happened, but it's also the continuation. And I'm in that same spot. I mean, the continuation, like, eventually I gotta take care of them somehow. And But, uh, I keep that in the back of my mind, but I also try to ride the balance of continuing this journey as a musician or as a songwriter, singer. I'm not the greatest musician. I don't want to call myself that. I mean, but you're not bad. The, uh, <laughs> the art of it, the, the following the heart, the really laying it out there and saying through this thing, that's what I feel I'm supposed to be doing in this right. world. And I can't go back. Yeah. So uh, I want to keep the wolves away that way. For my parents' sake, and also for my children and my wife's sake. Now, you know, I, uh, I want to be the example to my children to work hard, but do the thing you love. Right. So, yeah, it's the continuation. Still, still right. story unfolding. Yeah. No, and I, I think, you know, a lot with that song, and even a lot of the stuff that, you know, you've wrote and all that stuff, I, it hits me hard because and. A lot of the same way that B.J. Barham stuff, you know, B.J. is one of my f top five favorite writers. Like, that guy, he's incredible and the nicest human being on the face of the earth. Like, you know, every time I see him, it's, hey, man, like, and he'll, I've never seen an artist who will just stand there and talk to people, sign whatever they want, and then talk to them like they actually care and not mm -hmm. just like, all right, yeah, I'll sign it, buy something else, you know, move on. Like, he genuinely cares, but a lot of the stuff, you know, he wrote, you know, a lot of it's helped me through some tough times. And, That's beautiful. Um, right. And I mean, so, and a lot of the stuff off your new album is kind of the same way. You know, it's very, you know, heartfelt, you know, real, so. I think it's important to, uh, we have to tell our story. Right, because that's the only way we know about each other is through our stories. Right. Some people uh, have autobiography books. Other artists have, you know, solo albums. Like, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. here's my story. Like, here <laughs> but even I beyond am. that, beyond right. songs. Yeah. Like what you're talking about with BJ talking to people, and uh, I, I think that's really, really important. We miss that. We're so. Uh, I'm gonna go on a tangent. No, I... we're so divided, especially these days. Yep, we're picking sides, man. But we're all the same, right? And we just have different upbringings and conditioning and things that we hold on to and traditions and things that we hold on to, and we forget that we're really we all bleed the same and we all breathe and we need and we feel that we're human. Yep. And it's bigger than all this yeah. stuff. No, I mean, I, I feel the same way. Like, it's, you know, that's part of why I got out of the military. I do, I was in the Army for four years, and, mm. you know, it got to the point where I was like, what are we fighting for? Like, you know, Man. and I started to realize, like, 
I'm not because my job I was a crew chief on Blackhawks, so I flew. You know, we had a whole company of Blackhawks that was one of our companies. I was up here in Kansas, but they were attached to us, and they were at Fort Hood. We lost a whole company of Blackhawks, flight crews, everything. They all got shot down and killed. And I, I was like, do I want to, you know, have this opportunity to die for maybe something that isn't really what we're fighting for? So, you know, I've had those, you know, inner demon battles, like, you know, because I joined because it was a family tradition. I was a fourth generation, you know all that joined to appease my family and so I was like alright so do I stay in do I get out so I got out I was just like you know what I don't agree with everything in the world that's going on and I need to worry about me and you know my family so that's why I was like I'm, I'm gonna get out and, you know before something happens that I have no control over so I watched some Blackhawks doing maneuvers yesterday we stayed in Manhattan yeah before we stayed in Manhattan directly next to Fort Riley yep and uh, was watching them in the morning we woke up they were out there uh, and I don't know I'm trying to come to terms with that whole deal myself yeah uh, and it's like I've subconsciously been asking for that perspective it's cool that you told me that story. Right. Because uh, I want to know more. Like, maybe even after this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But recently, I have to tell you this story, man. Hands on the Wheel. Mm -hmm. That song that's on there. Yep. Was written by a guy named Will Callery. Willie didn't write it, but it's on Redheaded right. Stranger. To record that album, that song on the album, I had to get permission from Will Kelly because he's a self-published artist. Yeah. I called him, and he answered. <laughs> and we talked, and he gave me permission. I told him I love the song, and it feels like home to me, and it's on the album. And uh, anyway, he gave me permission. We had a good conversation. I had to uh, call him back a few weeks later to confirm his address. I had him something to sign. And I'd looked him up on Wikipedia and found out he was born in Owensboro, Kentucky. When I called him back to get his uh, address, he, we talked about that and I said, you know, my dad was born in Owensboro, Kentucky. And he asked me my last name again and he said, I know the Galloways. <laughs> and he knows Galloways I've never met. Right. And we had a great conversation. He said, I'm glad I didn't charge you much. Right. To record this, yeah. when you're when you get it done, send me a copy. I would love to hear it. Thank you so much. Great guy. Right. He said, if you're ever, he lives outside of Litchfield, Kentucky now. He said, if you're ever around here, call me up, come see me. Let's write a song. Nice. I said, I love that. Wow. Yeah. Fast forward to a few months before this album comes out, after the song's recorded, a gentleman hits me up on Facebook. And he says, I'm an Army veteran. I am really bad off. He essentially told me he's dying from... It's not even Gulf War Syndrome. It's something new right. that's just come out. Yeah. He says, my organs are failing. I'm yeah. losing my, he's losing his sight. Yeah. But he says, songwriting is my catharsis. It helps me to get through the thing. And he's been writing 
with people that I know, and it's for years, and he's doing good things. But he said, I, I, I contacted you because I want to write a song about my father. And you wrote Keep the Wolves Away right. about your father. And I feel like you might have some insight. He lives about an hour from me, so I went to his house. We sat down and we talked about it. He told me his story. And he told me, I mean, he was there early, yeah. 03. Yeah. Saw some real stuff. Oh, yeah. And then all of his friends, I'm sure some of yours, are dying from suicide now. Right. It's never ending with that. Yeah. That's a no, part. I've, I've, I've battled it. Of course. Know, so it's... Of course. <clears throat> and that's that's where a lot of, you know, and it's still, even to this day, I have bad days where, and that's where, as I've gotten older, like, music, that's where I've found some, you know, guys like you and BJ and, you know, a lot of those where I'm like, I just play the songs over and over and over and, you know, I've, I've already started, now I've got tattoo ideas of... Mm what I'm gonna like I'm already gonna get BJ's guitar that beautiful red you know Gibson J45 get that with some of the lyrics from some of his songs that just mm. you know I always go back to and I've got a few mm. years as well that are you know I'm gonna that's huge get on just because it helps to like look at it and be like you know hey you know like uh, tough times last but don't last but tough folks do like mm. that's off their new album that's one of the things that I constantly go back to that so I get where that guy you know where he's coming from but um, yeah no, I'm no no I needed to hear that so he uh, we sat down and we really brainstormed and we got to the source of what he wanted to say about his father it was right. great we didn't write the song there but I wanted to I didn't want to write it for him I wanted to lead him to the place right what he's trying to say yeah we really got there he's on to something and he hadn't been out in six years to a show and I invited him to Green Hall Ooh. where I had my uh, second album release yeah. the first one was in the Continental and Austin the night before and he said I'm coming I'm bringing a friend of mine another veteran I'm getting out we're gonna come to your show this is the day of that show and he's texting me and I said you're on the list and he said thank you and he said by the way my uncle wrote Hands on the Wheel. <laughs> wow. They hadn't talked to each other about right. any of this. His uncle is Will Callery. Yeah. That's crazy. Okay. And then Will, uh, he said, he's coming to see me in a few months at my house. Do you want to write a song with him here? Oh. So he's coming within an hour of me right. soon. And maybe that's going to happen. I'm, I'm hoping it does. Right, right. Uh, but it's still unfolding. Yeah. That whole deal. Man. Yeah, so... That's incredible. That's cool, dude. Right. That's... Just <laughs> the fact that stuff like that, you know, it, it makes you realize what a small world, Man, you know, it is. it is. Like, and how... And it always goes back to that six degrees of separation, too. Like, it's crazy. I see stuff where I'm like, oh, I know this guy, but they, you know, they wrote with this person or recorded that or, like, you know, or they're related to this person and I had no idea or... It's connected. Um, right. So, <clears throat> well, you ran down and grabbed your guitar before we got started because you left it downstairs. Mm -hmm. Looks like you've got it. Do you want to play something? I want to play something. I don't know if you play any tracks on here, too. Like, yeah, okay. sometimes I, yeah. So the album's there. It's recorded with this great band. Yep. And it's done, and it's awesome. I'm going to do some of those songs tonight, some of those demo 
okay. versions of it, like right. at the show here in Kansas City. But I want to play for you a song that I feel led to play. It's the latest song I've written. It's not on anything. Okay. But, uh, yeah, it's called We Row. All right. Off kilter cows, looming in lust, manifest destiny, bloated bubble bursting, rusting at the sea. Life is but a dream. We roll, we roll, we roll, we roll, we roll, we roll, we roll. Back and forth and back again, conquered every. Now we're fighting for a fool on a ship, a lost and sinking ship. Heaping stacks upon stacks of tremendous weight, we sweep to the bottom of the sea to be forgotten, just like the ones before, because the cycle is a beautiful thing. We row, we row. We row because it's the only thing we know to do. We row because we're scared to death that stillness will lead us to ourselves. And we'll be moved to action, following the heart without question. So instead, we row. We row, we row, we row, we row. We row. We row, we row, to hear that with a uh, with a band like but it's me I'm as the older I've gotten and you know gotten to know people and shows I prefer like full band shows are great but I love just listening to somebody with their guitar you know telling their stories you know a lot like you're doing tonight like I found these tend to be the absolute best shows which I've seen you know I'll finally get to see you do it tonight. I've seen Jason Eady and Courtney Patton do mm -hmm. it. Um, you know, some of my friends have done shows here down in the Gospel Lounge just like that. So it's always, it feels way more personal. And it's always cool to get the backstories, too, on some of the stuff. It's my favorite thing to do right now. Yeah. It, uh, it just is. It's, 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 uh, it's raw. Uh, it's almost it's like vulnerable. Or... Very vulnerable, but it's also it opens itself up to uh, 
being something great. Right. Uh, it's like you're gonna put yourself there, but get out of your own way. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, that's um, that's cool. Um, yeah, I love it. Like, is there anything behind that? Like, kind of anything that sparked that song, or did it just, just uh, come to you? Like, it's a long time coming, but it's more and more and more and more. I want to express the human condition yeah. through my own perspective, but through reflection through other people. But the the bigger picture, the bigger picture has always been on my mind. And I think that's where this is leading. And there are quite a few other songs right. like written on piano and things like that in that realm that have, the muse is, is, is giving, yeah. given me. It's not, you know, it's that balance, but it's a, uh, it's going to that place right now. Right. So it's part of a whole other bunch of ideas yeah, that yeah. who knows when it'll become right. an album, manifest as an album, but it's it's definitely there. Right. Or you start the well, I'm doing a do an E P and <laughs> yeah. more magic happens there's, there's, and yeah. comes into an album. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> right? Like can always hope. Um, so what else is uh you're out right now? Yeah, you're out right now on a tour doing this, and I mean, you're out for a few weeks, and is this pretty much all you're doing now? Yeah, man, so I put the album out in August, yeah. and Doug Strahan, the guy that played guitar, has a great band in Austin, and I hired them to come out on the road. We did weekends for two months, all of Texas, uh, where they opened, and then they were my backing band. We did the album from beginning to end, and then couple of Uncle Lucia's songs that I've right. written and then some other cool covers made a full show out of it but now at this moment I'm out on the road with my family yeah. I bought the old Uncle Lucia's van took the last two seats out built a little platform we have a futon bed that can roll out but we can also store stuff uh, so there's two captain seats and there are two bench seats each of those bench seats has a uh, <laughs> a baby in it <laughs> they get their own seat right. tie it in Good to go. Mom and I, and we're going. We're I mean, going down the road. There's probably worse ways to to be uh, working and. Oh, it's great. <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of uh, especially always all those wanted years, to do kind right? of. All the all the years, the couple of years on being on the road, not at home with them. Now you can be on the road with right. them. And, and we can do this every once in a while for like two right. and three weeks at a time. But other than that, if I'm not doing that, I'm close to home. I'm doing a lot of acoustic duo shows with a cello player. Nice. I think I'm about about to make an EP that way. Just yeah. he and I in a room. We're gonna record That'd some songs cool. here real soon. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna actually be at Steamboat with him. Nice. And at Key West to Mile Zero with him. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm jealous. I'd love to go to that. It's cool. So a lot of my friends go to that, and <laughs> you know they said that the your guys' show there last year was pretty awesome. So. Um. Yeah, it's uh, getting close to showtime. You want, maybe want to play one more, and then uh, yeah, um, we'll uh, finish it up with that. Yes, indeed. I'll play uh, Don't It Feel Good to Smile. Yeah. I told you I'd yeah. get back to this. My buddy Hal Vorpal wrote this song. He co-produced that new album I put out. And uh, he's a single man. Has never had a wife and a family, but he 
nailed this idea. And I can sing this song from the perspective of somebody right in it. Right. It's like about new parents early in the morning having an adult moment while the kids are still asleep. Right. And shit is tough, but it's all good. Let's smile and get through this right. cocktail. I mean, it, it works for anybody, anything, you know. Right. Just every day. Like. Yeah. So this is uh, definitely closer to the acoustic demo version of this song, Doesn't Feel Good to Smile. Sun comes in through the kitchen window. We sit at the table and share a cigarette. As the morning light lays across our faces, I can see the smoke make a dancing silhouette. Then our worries rest a while Might as well enjoy the ride While the high times here Up ahead will be a storm too Days like this will get us through Keep us by each other's side Coffee's on, and the baby's still sleeping. And nobody's telling us anywhere we gotta be. And your eyes shine like an old Don Williams record. I can hear those songs paint a portrait. Let our worries rest a while Might as well enjoy the ride While the high times are here Up ahead will be a storm too Days like this will get us through Keep us by each other's side Don't it feel good to smile There won't always be another storm or two me and you are gonna make it through. Come together on the other side. Don't feel good to smile. All right. So that was. Uh... That's uh, still one of my favorite songs right now. So I mean, I'm loving. Uh, I, I love what they did. Yeah. Uh, and like, you know, so you heard that, right? And then you know how, like the little stop on the Don uh -huh. Williams and everything that yeah. was all in the studio. Wow. It's like, oh, that's right. Let's do that. And then the three uh, repeats on the end with the harmonies. Yeah. That was in the studio. It's like, 
Oh, that's how you end it. And just, yeah. That's the magic of it. Oh, yeah. No, that's incredible. All right. Well, it's getting close to showtime, so we'll wrap it up. You have no idea, like, how much of a thrill this was. Like, when I looked down at my phone today and it was a text from you, I was like, no, <laughs> no way. Like, is this oh, happening? Man. Like, because I wasn't even going to. I knew you, you're a busy guy. I wasn't gonna, I was like, we discussed it. And I was like, I won't push it, you know, whatever. Um, but when you were like, hey, let's do it, I was like, all right, I'm leaving work early. Bye. Well, like, thanks for doing that. So, I mean, yeah, I it comes with being that. a boss. So, nice. <laughs> like, Hell like yeah. somebody, one of my employees came in, wasn't supposed to be working. She came out and said, hey, guess what? You can work the rest of my shift and I'm out. I got some place to be. So <laughs> I said, it works out for you because I'm salaried and you're hourly. So <laughs> here you go. I'll help you out. So, yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to this tonight. So um, thanks a lot for doing this again. No doubt. Thank so, you. All right. Bottle of single barrel outside Coromoe. To 11 a.m. on the clock, there's a light all in my room. Napkin with a number and a name written in black ink intrigues me to a point, but so does another whiskey drink. Take a drink. Things are good here, not so bad. No complaint. Except for the monotony of things that never change. I got a monkey on my back and a fever in my head, and it's like I hit a wall. I've got to take a chance. Make a move before my castle falls. Take a drink. Well, ain't it funny how emptiness can be created by an empty little slide? What with troubles and travels and everyday matters? And Habits that can render you blind. Your philosophy is just an opinion for the masses, and the masses could be wrong. But hell, man, what do I know? I'm just a writer and a saint of simple song. Take a drink. Take a drink, drink it in, drink it in. I saw you playing the drinking game every time I said take a drink. You're not the first to do that, and I'm thankful. Uh, let's cheers to everyone. Thank you for being here.
This is the first beer I recall drinking, by the way. Schlitz. My grandpa let me taste it when I was wee little. Uh, it's called Uncle Lucius. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, no, that was the first band I'd ever been in. Yeah. So uh, did it for twelve and a half years. Yeah. It was good. It was. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I did, and, but it's time. I want to take you to the other end of the spectrum and play for you the latest song I've written. This is from 41 year old me to you. Kilter chasms, a looming and lusting. It's manifest destinies, bloated bubble bursting, rusting at the scene. Life is but a dream. We roll, we roll, we roll. We roll, we roll, we roll, we roll. Back and forth and back again, conquered every inch. Now we're fighting for full ownership, a lost and seen ship. Heaping stacks upon stacks of tremendous weight, we speed to the bottom of the sea to be forgotten, just like the ones before, because the cycle is a beautiful thing. We roll, we roll. Because it's the only thing we know to do We roll Because we're scared to death That stillness will lead us to ourselves And we'll be moved to action Following hard without question So instead we roll We roll, we roll, roll, we roll We roll, we roll, we roll, we juxtaposition of something really heartfelt against something nonsensical. So that's what you're going to get next. This is a fictional story about a forgive me, but I'm going to say coon ass. Is that okay? 
Okay, you've heard it before. It's a fictional story about a coonist named Johnny Thibodeau. I was with that band Uncle Lucius on the road, checking into a hotel somewhere, I don't remember where. There's a USA Today on the desk as I'm checking in, and there's a little story on the front page about sinkholes opening up in South Louisiana. And I immediately went in my mind to a little movie like a story, and I see this man by name Johnny Thibodeau, and he's on a P-roll with a pole. A P-roll is a little, little boat you stand on and go down the bayou, you know. And I see him barely getting out as that sinkhole's sinking, and he barely gets it out. And everything he has is gone. I begin a story, a song maybe, and then it's gone. Or it's there in the back of the mind, but it's not finished. Fast forward to a few months later, in another hotel with Uncle Lucius, 4 a.m. or so, I wake up, the TV's still on in the hotel, the guitar player's snoring, and it's on the classic movie station. And there's a movie starting, it's right when it's starting, the opening credits called Louisiana Story. And it's like filmed in the 40s, black and white, down in the swamp. And it's like they have actors playing oil men, and they're like, I hope they strike it, uh, strike it big now, man. These little kids and like coon-ass people living in the swamp. And I think that they took those people and the actors and said, tell me some stories, and we're going to edit this in and make it a movie. And they did, and there's this old man sitting in the shack. It looks like it's a, it was late. But it looked to me like it was a big tree that was hollowed out and they lived in it, down in the swamp and inside at the table and he's chewing tobacco and he's like, yeah, this man I know, he uh, got his hand bit off by the alligator now. And, but he's happy all the day because he's still alive, you know. And uh, he go down to bio singing this song and he sings this song. And so that song comes up and it's like an old Irish folk tune, I think. And I get the idea of the song that had just started. And I combine the two and finished the song that night. I couldn't think of a working a, a title, so the working title is still The Luckiest Kunas in Terrible Parish. <laughs> I gotta tell you how I started the song, I couldn't begin it. And so I just saw the scene in my mind, the scene in my mind, I kept seeing the aftermath. So the scene cold, the, the water, everything is gone, it's you know, taking it down and then it's just mud in the aftermath. There's stuff down in the hole and there's stuff on the edges, you know. And like his uh, trailer's turned over, and there's like his couch, and there's a trunk here, and there's some pictures strewn everywhere. And then you zoom into the scene, and there's this little Polaroid, and you get the mud off of it, and it's two bird dogs. It's just bird dogs. And that's where it starts. Bird dogs and photographs, and then this song came out. I don't know where from. <laughs> I've been down there a lot. My mom's born in New Orleans and raised down there, so I know Terrebonne Parish, so. Without further ado. Johnny lost his thunder in the water. 
Pouring down old land and sinking in. Didn't leave no time for thinking. Barely made it out, but he's got that hero and his life. Knuckles wide, the students don't paint it. Push that pole while they see no sinkings. Hit it swell with second lines and marching sight. Even made the new sprint boats as lucky as Coon and Tedder Bone. The Tempest took his truck and his trailer home, but it's got that hero and his life. Johnny Thibodeau holds that hero down the body of singing this song. Let's have a little coon and shell at the end like this. So I don't know where I'm going from here. I'm just going with the feeling of the crowd. Hello. Let's see familiar faces. Tribute to all the battles lost and won. 
I got over myself four or five years ago. And I'm never going back there again. I got over myself four or five years ago. And I'm never going back there again. In my head I see what a hindsight has a call. My mind's eye reconstructs it all. It's a helpful tool in perspective is what I need. Knowing I'm not bound to it is the reason I'm free. Right now, rolling with the flow. I stopped trying so hard, I cut it loose, I let it go. By now, inspiration's at the wheel. And the pleasure's found. Learning how to feel. All of the pleasure's found. Learning how to feel. All of the pleasure's found. And learning how to feel. I got over myself four or five years ago. I'm never going back there again. I got over myself four or five years ago. And I'm never going back there again. I'm never going back there again. I've been seen in a million ways. 
Her name was Maya Vangelou. <laughs> and we were pulling a 14-foot tandem axle trailer, metal, not aluminum, like one of those older heavy metal ones, uh, full of gear to the brim. Band full of uh, musicians, hacked full. It's 3 a.m., driving northbound on Interstate 35, 30 <coughs> miles north of Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I'm driving, the drummer's awake, we're having a great conversation. Everyone else is asleep, laid across the seats of my Evangelist. And we're heading north. 70 miles an hour, right hand lane, letting it eat. Look in the side view mirror, and a car is coming up really fast. I think it's a cop at first. That's the first reaction always. There's no lights on top, so it's not a cop, but they're really coming. But they're in this lane beside me, so they're about to pass. And I stopped the conversation. I'm like, hey, I'm watching. And then right as they're about to pass, the headlights disappear. And then somebody kicks the back of my seat really hard, and I get mad. I'm like, who the hell? And then I realized it wasn't anybody kicking seat. That car hit the back of our trailer. <coughs> Mind you, I'm going 70 miles an hour. That car hit so hard, directly in the back of the trailer, that it pushed the trailer forward into the van, came off of the hitch, broke the back bumper in half, and then lifted, and the chains that were on the undercarriage caught and flipped it on its side. So the next time I look in the side view mirror, I see the trailer. Dragging the trailer that fast. I'm waiting on the car to come over us, you know, something, I don't know. Nothing like that, but here's the trailer, so it's this way, and then I correct it, and it's this way, and it's across both lanes into the grass each way, six or seven times. But that trailer being drugged is kind of like a parachute, I don't know, it helped to really slow us down, and I kept it straight. I ended up back in the right-hand lane perfectly <laughs> to a complete stop. And I'm so excited. I say, is everybody okay? And they're like, yeah. And I get out and I'm like, yes, I'm cheering. I realize I didn't put it in park, so it's lurching. <laughs> I jump back in and I put it in park. And then we go and look, the trailer is totaled and it drove and you smell the metal and the rubber burning on the tires. And there's like this little V in the back of the trailer, right where point of impact, perfectly in the center. So a little after 3 a.m., North of Oklahoma City, Guthrie, Oklahoma is right there. Luckily, we have a friend who is just getting off of work because he's a DJ at a gentleman's club just outside of town. And he lives in Guthrie, Oklahoma. So we call him up and he said, yeah, I'm headed home right now. Uh, can we tow this trailer to your place? He said, yes. So we have it towed to his place, drop it off. Get a couple hours of sleep. About 6 a.m., wake up and go 30 miles south into Oklahoma City. Get a new bumper put on, new hitch. Rent a U-Haul. Drive 30 miles back to his place. His place is a 22-acre uh, rescue ranch for exotic animals. And so that trailer's still there being used for hay storage. Honestly, I promise. It's way cool. So it's being put to good use. It's Sam, that's right. Yeah, 
We met about it on Colossians. Heck yeah. <laughs> so we load all the gear off of there into the U-Haul the next day and drive. And we get here to Knuckleheads, pull up over here, playing on the outside stage, as the opening band is playing their last song. <laughs> we pull up, and we get on stage with their backline, our guitars, their drums and bass and everything, and don't miss a beat. So that was cool. I was really proud of that. Probably one of the proudest moments of the 12 and a half years. But I tell you all this because it inspired a song. And like the one before the uh, Lucky Kunas and Tatterbone Parish that didn't get finished right away, this one didn't get finished right away, but you'll, you'll hear it in a moment. You'll hear a lot of the scene there. Fast forward a few months, same van, my eventually different trailer, driving at night overnight to get to New Orleans from Texas on Interstate 10. I think we're driving at night because we can't wait to get to New Orleans. It's one of the greatest places in the world. And... I'm not driving this time. I'm laid back on one of those seats. So I, when I sit up, I look out the side window. So I'm laid back asleep. We're going over the bridge over the Atchafalaya Basin, 30 miles, just a bridge with really no shoulder, nowhere to go. And we slow down really fast. And so I wake up right away. And as I wake up and look out the side window, I see sparks flying. I'm like, oh, here we go. But it's just a trailer, uh, an 18-wheeler with a trailer that's lost its back wheels. So he's rolling slow, but rolling because there's nowhere to stop. He has to take that bridge for 30 miles to get to land. And so it's throwing these sparks, throwing this rooster tail sparks. And it really brings back that other song and begins completing itself. And then it did soon after that. Inspired by those moments. And my evangelou is this song, it's called From the Wheels Fall. Coming to your way. 
wheels fall off. You gotta keep rolling the wheels fall off. You gotta believe, cause that bridge is on the little month Sunday. And the shoulders cold. Dread deep, yeah, the shoulders cold. Dread deep, yeah, the shoulders cold. Dread deep. Yeah, 
I'm gonna do some of these songs for you from that album. That's the change. Uh, I wrote these songs for my wife and my children, and this whole album is kind of a love letter and a promise to them. I'm gonna follow my heart, but I'm gonna try to take care of them the best I can and be there for them. So uh, I actually wrote this tune for my son soon after he was born. I stayed home. We were still in the band, and uh, he was born. Stayed home for about three and a half weeks, and then I had to get back on the road. And I wrote this missing him. It's called Face in My Mind. So I asked my one of my best friends, his name's Howard Warhol. He was the first bass player in Uncle Lucius. Great songwriter, great friend. Uh, hadn't played music in about five years. But I knew he wanted to produce albums, so I asked him to produce this one. 
He'd never done it, but he did it. He said, I'll do it if I can co-produce with somebody who really knows what to do sonically. So went to another friend in Austin who owns a studio and engineers had recorded an Uncle Lucius album before. And so they co-produced this album. And uh, I wrote five of the nine tunes. Two are bigger covers that are well known and then two by dear friends of mine. One of them was by Hal Warhol. He wrote this tune, which somehow, someway, he totally caught the moment. He's a single man, no kids. But he caught this moment of new parents in the morning before the baby's awake, having an adult moment just for a minute. And like, in the trenches, but smiling about it. And like, okay, we can breathe for a second, because I know they're going to wake up any moment kind of deal. And, uh, and he sent me a version on the phone, and then I worked up a little demo of it on the acoustic. And then we gave it to these guys, these really good players. And two weeks later, went to the studio. They'd never played together before, and, this, and they came up with something great. But you're gonna hear the acoustic version, the acoustic demo version of a great song called "Don't Feel Good to Smile." Don't it feel good to smile? 
situation before the kids and arguing and she was mad and also homesick and emotional and I asked her how I can fix it how can I fix this <laughs> yeah stupid right? <laughs> I realized it right away so I apologized and I shut up and I just held her and I didn't try to fix it I was just there for her we fell asleep. I woke up about an hour later, snuck into the living room, and the song came out. When you're sad, rest your head on my shoulder. I know it's not my job to tell you what to do, but you can dry those tears on me if you let me hold you. I'm only gonna love you. We don't have to say a word. There's a time to talk it out A time to let it all go Right now the talking's out Let the teardrops roll
do a couple more of those new songs, but I want to do this one right now. I often say this is the best song that ever wrote me. Really? Honestly, I'm going to tell you why. Uh, it all came out at once, and I just had to catch up to it. It was just there. But after it was written, I realized in hindsight it was through the filter of what I'd been experiencing, what I'd been reading, what I'd been doing, uh, my subconscious thoughts. I don't know. It, it was definitely, it was part of, I was in the flow, and it came, and it made sense somehow, some way at the end. But I was in uh, a Ford Econoline van with Uncle Lucius on the road. This van was actually uh, named Levanathan. And it was a former prisoner transport van that we got a good deal on. This was before Maya Angelou. She was nicer. So if you imagine this, it's this big, it's a V10 Ford Econoline, like six miles a gallon when we're pulling a trailer. And it's got plastic seats, like the ones like at Taco Bell or something. Just, just do this, you know? And all metal inside, metal on the side. Uh, they had cages in the window, but took them out. And then metal on the top, and then a sliding door in the back, fully metal, you can't get out. But we fixed that with 10 snips. Punched a hole and did 10 snips around and cut a hole uh, that was a little bit jagged, so you had to watch yourself. And you had to reach in and do like this and grab this little latch and then pull it open. But it worked. And we had a futon in the front, but behind the two uh, front seats, there's a futon, and then the back two plastic seats. <laughs> I would sit Indian style in that futon and think about life. Anyway, we were on the road from Austin to Chicago, and then over to Ohio, and then down to Asheville, North Carolina, and then down to New Orleans and back home to Austin, Texas. So. On the way to Asheville, North Carolina, I was reading on the interwebs all about it because I'd never been there before. And I read that Asheville, North Carolina has a four-season climate and that retirees are moving there in droves because of it. And I knew that the Blue Ridge Mountains were there, so I was excited about that. And we pull it into Asheville. We get there the day of, about 3 o'clock, to go check into a hotel. We're sitting in the hotel parking lot. The guys go check in, and I stay in the van. And I'm sitting there, and I grab my guitar. I'm sitting there, and it's raining outside, but the sun's out. And then I reach around, and I don't cut myself, and I open the side door. A little bit of rain's coming in, but it's great. I just start thinking. Start playing this. I mean, over and over and over, almost to the point of getting lulled into meditation, I don't know. And some weird random thoughts are coming to mind, and then you know, the devil's in the details. The devil's in the details. The devil's in the detail shop. And then I realize, I, I don't realize anything, I just come up with it. And I think about the devil in the detail shop, and I Imagine this retired gentleman who is the devil, the character of the devil in this story, sitting in a detail shop, 
wringing his hands as mad at the world. He's waiting on him to clean his ragtop car, this classic car that he has. And he's mad at the world because the reaping used to be so much better. And where have all the good souls gone? And he's mad. And I, I've been reading a lot of Joseph Campbell, who wrote a book called Hero with a Thousand Faces, which is like this, this is the whole human story. It's, he's a mythology guy, comparative religions. And uh, I just read that he was talking about all religions having this golden, golden thread of truth and that we live in a, a terminal reign of all of our myths, and it's time for us to take the old and the new and combine them and create the new ones, and that's what they do throughout human history. It's these same stories with these same ideas. So that's in the back of my subconscious, and it comes out in song, you'll see. Uh, I was thinking about all the songs I've been listening to. I only listen to old music, because I feel like it stands the test of time, it's much better than, I guess, what we're doing today, I don't know, it's, that's all too many generalities, but at the time I was listening to a lot of old classic albums, and somehow all these Bible characters and all these things end up in this song, but it, it runs off from that first line into this whole song called Taking in the View. <laughs> in the detail shop waiting on his old rag top wondering where the hell of all the real souls gone it's been so long since the rebels were the damn little Mary's living hand to mouth can't believe how fast it all went south taking pains to conceal an immaculate life Jesus Christ, it sure gets hard sometimes. And the bright morning stars left Chicago. He's headed down to Asheville, Carolina, via Ohio. They've got a ridge for the season climate and a ridge of mountains blue. And he's gonna spend his golden years taking in the view. Ever since Joseph passed away, the lady hasn't had too much to say. You can find her kneeling in the garden, all skin and bones. And when the seeds have grown, she'll plant again. Last time the market fell, Satan had to sell off half of hell. Now it's all suburban sprawl and big box stores. But it can't be sure, but this might be the end. And the bright morning stars left Chicago. 
He's headed down to Asheville, Carolina, via Ohio. He's got a stack of classic vinyl and a turntable to boot. And he's going to spend his golden years taking him to the Keep the wolves away. 
Over the next few years, Dad was sick as a dog, but he made a recovery just despite the odds. The settlement came and we moved out of town where the sky is and heavy with refinery clouds. Yeah, he's still alive, he's doing good, he's in his sixties, but the money's running out. And he's peaching for pity, so I'm going for broke with every song I play. Cause now it's my turn to keep the wolves away.
That was a couple of months before the album came out. Fast forward to the day of that show. He is, he texts me and he says, I'm on my way, I'm bringing a friend of mine. And I said, I'll put him on the guest list too. And he said, I've been listening to your album, I just got it digitally, like two days before. And he said, I don't know if you know, but my uncle wrote Hands on the Wheel. I recorded Hands on the Wheel on this album. I hadn't spoke to him about that at all. We didn't, it never came up. I had to call the guy that wrote that song, his name's Will Callery, this guy's uncle. I had to call him before I recorded the song and get his permission because he's a self-published artist. And we had a good conversation. He didn't charge me much to record it. And I said, okay, I'll be sending you some paperwork. I looked him up on Wikipedia I had to call him back and confirm his address for the paperwork. I called him back and I said, uh, this your address? He said, yeah. I said, if you got a moment, I'd love to tell you a story. I noticed you're born in Owensboro, Kentucky. I told him my father was born in Owensboro, Kentucky. This conversation before I met the veteran, by the way. And I told him a story about Redheaded Stranger the Willie Nelson album, which is my favorite album of all time. And that song is my favorite song on that album. Willie didn't write it, but Will Callery did. Uh, that's my favorite version. It feels like home to me. But I told him a story about my parents meeting in the mid-70s and dating for two weeks. Uh, they're in South <laughs> Texas, uh, south of Houston, Brazoria County to be exact. I dated for two weeks and then my dad had to leave because he just graduated high school and he and his best friend had been planning a trip for like five years to go west. And he didn't know when he'd be back. But uh, <laughs> hope to see you again, I gotta go. And he went west with his best friend in a truck with an eight-track player. And the only eight-track they had was Redheaded Stranger. They were gone about seven months. And they worked odd jobs as they went and just I don't think you can do that anymore. Maybe you can. Maybe you're like an Uber driver or something, but they weren't doing that. Of course, he's not calling my mom. They didn't have cell phones. They weren't texting. And uh, he's gone seven months. And they get back to Brazoria County when the Brazoria County Fair is in town on a Friday when the barn dance is going down. So they get cleaned up and they go right out. And they're having a good time telling about their adventures and exploits out west. They went to California and up into Alaska and down, you know. Uh, they were telling the stories and having a good time, seeing old friends and nights going on. And my mom, my dad sees my mom across the crowd. But he's apprehensive, and I can only imagine why. <laughs> Leave that one to you. So he's not like going up to her asking her to dance or anything at first. And then that cover band that's playing that night, this great country song starts playing. Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain, which is on that album that he'd been listening to about a thousand times. And he gets up the courage to ask her to dance. They've been married for 42 years, wow. by the way. But I think that moment was when I became the spark in their eye. <laughs> and I told him, and I'd love to tell Willie this one day, that that album is the reason I'm alive. <laughs> but uh, Mr. Callery thought that was great. He really liked that story, and he said, man, if you're ever around Litchfield, Kentucky, 
I don't know when I'm ever going to be around Litchfield, Kentucky. He said, look me up, and let's write a song together. I said, yes, sir, please. Go back to that text the day of that CD release show. He said, my uncle wrote, I don't know if you know this, my uncle wrote Hansel and I'm like, what? And he's visiting me in a few months. You want to come to my house and write a song with him? So stay tuned, that's going to happen. Wow. I think in November. Small, small world. It's still unfolding. But this is the song. Uh, it's called Hands on the Wheel. Love Wheel Cavalry. It's on this album. <laughs> At a time when the world seems to be spinning hopelessly out of control, there's deceiving and believing.
so much. You've been very kind. I'll do one more for you. This is a, a song uh, recorded with Uncle Lucius. I co-wrote this one with my good friend Mike Carpenter. Yeah. <laughs>